0: sings that song right there, Jesus, Jesus, just so silky, you know, like the way Byron does it right there, way to go, Byron, but uh, good morning, everybody, it's good to have some people in the, uh, in the room today, um, I'm fired up to be here, my name is Nick, and uh, I have the honor and privilege of getting to work with our youth and family ministry alongside my wife, Bree, and, uh, and we love it. And uh, I just want to say a quick thing to our families and especially our teens and younger in the church. Uh, We're so proud of you guys. What a crazy time to have to kind of try to navigate through school and through your relationships and and all that you're trying to have. You're having to deal with right now. Uh, We're just we're so proud of you. Some of you guys, it's kind of your senior year of high school. Uh, for some, it's you're, you're entering into high school kind of under these conditions for the first time. And uh, we're so proud of you guys. We're so inspired by the families and just how strong you guys are, uh, how you continue to kind of persevere in the midst of challenges. And uh, it's been an honor for me to be a, have a front row seat to a lot of that stuff and get a chance to be a fan. So thank you for inspiring us. Um, you know, today's our last day. We're going through our, 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 our series on Red, Radical Every Day, looking at the radical teachings of Jesus, the red letters. Uh, it was just as radical then as it is now, and it's been great going through these. And uh, so today, well, our theme is going to be a 100 times. You kind of see what we did there, the red right there. It's pretty clever, we thought. It was pretty awesome. Um, but uh, we're excited about this. It's going to be great. Uh, you know, for me... So, so Tom kind of asked me to, to, to share about this. He said, hey, you know, your theme is Jesus is worth it. I'm like, okay, wow, that's, that's, a, massive, that's a massive topic right there. And, uh, you know, I, I think there's a little bit of a temptation to kind of get up here and want to convince you that Jesus is worth it and kind of go into all the, the different kind of reasons why and, and facts and things like that. I, I honestly feel that when you just kind of hang around Jesus for a little bit, when you just get a chance to read about him and, and learn about him, he's compelling on its own. And, uh, and he's convincing on his own. He doesn't need necessarily me to try to convince you. And so we're just gonna try to go to the feet of Jesus, learn from him today, point to him. Uh, it's, gonna be, it's gonna be awesome. If we were all together here, you know, you just be able to turn to the person next to you and be able to ask, hey, is Jesus worth it in your life? And we would get thousands of different stories, you know, in here of, of how Jesus has, has come through in so many people's uh, lives. You know, for me, one of my favorite ways to look at Jesus is as a mountain guide. Uh, We're all trying to climb, you know, this mountain of life. Whether you believe in Jesus or not, we're all trying to climb this mountain. None of us have ever done it before. We're trying to figure it out. Everybody's kind of going their own way. They think they know how to do it. But Jesus comes to us as an expert's mountain guide and says, hey, come follow me. I'm gonna show you how to do it. I'm an expert at this mountain. I've seen it done millions billions of times. I did it myself. In fact, I'm the, I'm the inventor of this mountain. And so just follow me, trust me on this one. And as long as you follow me, it's gonna to be tough, but life is tough in general. You can try to do it your own way. Good luck with that, but I'm the expert. Follow me, just stay close to me, and we're gonna get there. Don't stray from me. Don't listen to the other voices when it's going to be easy. As people are going that way, they think that's the right path. Say, no, no, no. I'll follow in the mountain, God. Stay, stay with me here. And I love that kind of quality about Jesus. And, uh, and that's how we're going to kind of look at him today. I want to, I want to kind of help us uh, do something. I think it's easy to look at the Bible often with uh, our I have to glasses on. Where we look at Jesus and we're like, okay, just tell me all the things I have to do in order to be right with you. All the things I have to do to give up, you know, things for you. And it, and it kind of gets easy to feel a little bit burdened a lot of times because it's like I have to do this and this and this and this and I have to do this and God wants me to do this. And what I want us to do today is kind of try to look through the Bible with the lens of I, my I get to glasses. Because following the mountain God, you don't have to. He gives you the option. He gives you the chance. And he's not saying, hey, you have to do this and this and this. He's saying, no, follow me. You're going to get to follow me. It's going to be awesome. Watch what happens. And we get to kind of give it over to him to kind of take on the hard stuff, and we get to just bask and submit and follow him, and it's, and it's a thrilling ride. And so we're going we're to jump over to Mark chapter 10. Uh, and so as we read it, I want you to have those glasses on of like, okay, what, uh, what do we get to do uh, because we, we have a chance to follow Jesus? Mark chapter 10. <clears throat> You know, following Jesus must have been just this extraordinary adventure where you're around him and it was just thrilling every day. If you go back to the first nine chapters of Mark, you're blown away by like all the things he already does up until this point. But you get this guy here in verse 17. It says, As Jesus was starting on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down, and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder, you must not commit adultery, you must not steal, you must not testify falsely. you must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. "Teacher," the man replied. "I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young." Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. "There is still one thing you haven't done," he told him. "Go and sell you all your possessions and give the money to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. You know, I love where it says that it says, Jesus turned and he genuinely loved him. I think I've read that in the past. You know, you got this guy that comes up, falls to Jesus' feet, you know, kind of saying, he asks a really great question Hey, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And sometimes I look at Jesus and he's kind of standing there, and, and, and the way that he loves him is more out of like pity, is like, dude, there you go. You think you know the answers. You really don't. And it's kind of more this pity. It's like, I get to show you kind of, and I'm going to, I'm going to kind of blow your mind, you know, with, with what's about to happen. And I love you. That's why I'm going to give this to you. And I think though, Jesus like genuinely loved him. He looked at him and was like, wow, dude, you are so close. You have it right there. You've, you've, been, you've done so many great things for me, and I, but I know kind of what's in some of your heart right there. And dude, if you're not careful, I just, I just know what's gonna happen if you go down that way. And I just want you so bad, dude, to trust me on this one. And just to trust that I'm gonna take care of you. Don't worry about it. And, and you're going to have to give up this, dude. But I promise you, it's going to be awesome. And he looked at him and he genuinely loved him. I always think it's interesting that, you know, Mark, is, he's writing here. He's probably gathering some eyewitnesses. And he's like, somebody must have told him at some point. Yeah, it was obvious that Jesus looked at him and he genuinely loved him. I don't know what that must have looked like in Jesus' face. You know, as he's standing there and he, and he hears this man, sees him, you know, even at his feet and just genuinely loves him. Doesn't stand over and be like, hey, I'm going to show you how to be radical. He's like... No, he just genuinely, he just genuinely loves him. But then we know what happens, right? Verse 22, it says, "'At this the man's face fell, "'and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. "'Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, "'How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God.' "'This amazed them. "'But Jesus said again, "'Dear children, it is very hard "'to enter the kingdom of God. "'In fact, it is easier for a camel "'to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were astounded. And then and, and then who in the world can be saved? They asked. Jesus looked at them intently and said, Humanly speaking, it is impossible. But not with God. Everything is possible with God. You know, sometimes I can I can read this with Jesus, this interaction, and I can kind of feel like Jesus has this disappointment with the man once he walks away sad. He walks away sad because he has great wealth, and Jesus is like, yep, yeah, I told you, it's hard for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. And he's like, kind of sitting there, and he's like, yep, yeah, he's not radical enough. He doesn't know what it means to follow me. And, uh, and kind of this more of a level of disappointment and kind of like lost expectation, and then kind of sitting there, and then uh, he's like, yeah, you didn't prove it to me that you, really, that you really have what it takes to follow me. He's like, you got to give that up before you're even allowed to come follow me. And I feel like what Jesus is really trying to say is like, I think Jesus' heart breaks in this moment where he knows this man so well. He knows what he's sacrificed already. He knows too what's in this guy's heart. And he says, dude, I feel like you, you have all that it takes. You can be successful and you can, you can I, I want to show you what I want to do with your life. But you just got this thing, dude, that you're kind of holding on to. If you just let go of that, it would be amazing. And Jesus, I think his heart breaks right here, where he's like, man, and as he walks, as he walks, watches him walk away sad. And just like turns to his disciples and says, man, it's just, it's just, it's so hard. I hate that it's so hard for people that have wealth, that people that have so much going on in their life, it's so hard for them to follow me. And I want, I want them to trust me so bad and not put their trust in this stuff because I know where true wealth comes from. It doesn't come from that. And Jesus is trying, I think just his heart's breaking. He's like, I just want this guy to understand what real true riches and, and, and a true life and a full life really looks like. And you see his disciples kind of like, they respond interestingly. They're like, well then, well then who can be saved, dude? And you can see them kind of struggling with it, right? And I think so often we can do the same where we think Jesus is kind of in our life as more of a taskmaster, where he's telling us what to do and he's telling us how to do it. And he's like, in order to follow me, I'm gonna see if you're gonna be radical. Kind of stands back and says, okay, this is what radical looks like here and here. And if you don't do that, if you don't give up everything you have, you can't, you're not allowed to come follow me. And it can kind of be, again, with those I have to glasses, this is all I have to do. This is all the things I have to do. And I think what I love is because when they're kind of freaking out about it, Jesus says something so profound, and is the key to life. He says, humanly speaking, yeah. What I asked right there, it is impossible. It is intense. It, you're, you're not going to be able to do it, if humanly speaking. But then he says something interesting. He says, well, you are going to be able to do it because everything is possible with God. We have that saying a lot, you know, everything is possible. You know, I really don't believe that everything is possible unless it's with God. I think so often we're trying to do it ourselves. You know, we're trying to, we feel burdened by the teachings of Jesus. We feel burdened by this life. And we have to, these are all the things I have to do. Where Jesus is saying, no, 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 you still don't get it. I'm trying to help you follow the mountain guide. Follow me, be with me. And we're going to be able to figure it out together. Up to you, you trying to do it. You trying to go your own way. You trying to give up things, even for my kingdom. It's going to be impossible. With me? Oh, dude, everything is possible with me. You know, but then you still see Peter struggling with it, right? He goes on right after this. You know, you got to love Peter in verse 28. He says, then Peter began to speak up. We've given up everything to follow you, he said. You kind of don't know if he's saying that out of like just fear or of insecurity or how he's saying that or he's just literally, you know, hey, we've given up everything to follow you. That's just a fact. But I love what Jesus says. Yes, Jesus replied, and I assure you, that everyone who has given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property for my sake and for the good news will receive now in return a hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and property along with persecution. Interesting that he kind of throws that in at the end. And in the world to come, that person will have eternal life. But many who are greatest now will be least important then. And those who seem least important now will be the greatest Then, You know, Peter right here, you can see him struggling with it. You see Jesus promise him, says, dude, anybody that gives up things for me, anybody that's willing to trust me, they're gonna receive back a hundred times what they've given up. You know, this isn't the first time that Jesus has, or maybe that these disciples have heard this. Uh, I'll get back to that in a minute. But uh, in Mark chapter four, you know, uh, Jesus says something similar. You know, he's, he's talking about the parable of the soils, and he's, he's, he's talking about those last two soils. And he says the seed that fell among the thorns in verse 18 represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth and the desire for other things. So no fruit is produced and the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produced a harvest of 30, 60 or even hundred times as much as had been planted. You know, this wasn't the first time that Peter heard this from Jesus. He heard it, when Jesus says it now, Jesus reminds him, he's like, remember what I told you back then? Is the one that sticks with me, the one that trusts my words, the one that kind of has that humble soil and heart that lets the words kind of sink in with them? That person is going to receive a hundred times. Their life is going to be a hundredfold, you know, of what, they, of what they originally thought. But I wonder if Jesus saw the rich young man in kind of that third soil where he's like, that guy has it all there, but I can tell he's got the worries of this world. And he's got those thorns and he's got the deceptiveness, you know, of wealth that are in his life. And it's going to choke him out if he's not careful. And I think Jesus' heart breaks there. And I think for all of us, I think so many of us can kind of fall into that third soil, especially right now with all the worries of this world and all the deceptiveness out there. And I think uh, we got to look at, okay, what are the thorns in my life that Jesus is trying to break us free from so that we can really produce the crop that he really wants us to? I think so often we talk about uh, all the things we have to give up for Jesus. We talk about, man, it's so hard to follow Jesus. We have that narrative a lot. It's really hard. Uh, You have to give up so much. Uh, Your life is not your own. And uh, I think, honestly, I feel like what is the cost of not following Jesus? I feel like it is so much harder not to follow Jesus than to kind of give your life over to him. All the things that you, that costs you in life, trying to climb that mountain without the mountain guide. Are you kidding me? How hard is that? As you're kind of a blind person trying to get up that mountain, like, and then Jesus coming to you and saying, hey, we're going to do it together. And it's like, no, no, that's just too hard. My like, man, it's so much harder to do it, to do it on your own. It's like, if somebody, you know, came to me and this is, you know, this is uh, me on my wedding day with my wife, Bree, and uh, she's getting it right there on the dance floor, you know, having a blast. and. Uh, Marriage, as a concept, if you were to take out God and if you were to take out the relationship, um, is is hard, and it doesn't totally make sense. There's a lot you have to give up. There's a lot you have to sacrifice. Your life is now not your own, and so people often, you know, I think in the world with marriage is like this is all the stuff that you have to do. You have to do this. You have to give up this. You have to do this. And if someone came to me and says, "Nick, like it's like there's so much you have to give up," I'm like yeah, but I get to marry Brie. Like that's, that, everything I give up pales in comparison for what I get with Brie, you know? And it's like, if people said, oh man, it's a big cost. I'm like, it's such a bigger cost for me not to be with Brie, you know? And so for me, it's just kind of a, it, it's the same thing with Jesus. And there are those days, right, where maybe my heart isn't in it as much. I'm not, you know, feeling as, as spiritually inspired as maybe I do other days. And I have my, I have two glasses on and I'm trying to figure it out. And there's a lot of things I feel like I have to do. But then it doesn't take long for me once I put on those I get to glasses and like, no, I, but I, I get to be married to Brie. I get to do it with God. And it totally changes my perspective on anything else. But I love what Jesus says, too. Uh, there's something really interesting to me about seeds. And we're going to go over to uh, John chapter 12 uh, for a minute. Because I love, I love what Jesus says. And to me, he kind of carries on this point right here. <clears throat> In John 12, um, you know, Jesus is nearing the end of his life. And uh, right here, he's going to predict his death. But in verse 20, it says some Greeks who had come to Jerusalem for the Passover celebration, paid a visit to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee. They said, sir, we want to meet Jesus. Philip told Andrew about it and they went together to ask Jesus. Jesus replied, now the time has come for the son of man to enter his glory. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for, this, for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Anyone who wants to be my disciple must follow me because my servants must be where I am. And the Father will honor anyone who serves me. You know, Jesus right here talks about a seed. And in my hand right now, I have, a, uh, I have a, an apple seed. I have an apple in my house this morning. And, uh, you know, seeds are interesting. I don't think anybody, you know, that's here today can even see, you know, this little seed in my hand. You might be able to see it, you know, uh, at home. But a seed is so interesting, right? Because you look at a seed in your hand, and if, it didn't, if I didn't tell you that was a seed, I don't, you kind of wouldn't know what it is half the time. Like, is that, is that a piece of dirt? Is that like some rabbit poop right there? You know, like, what is that? And if you're walking on the street, there's nothing that special about a seed. You kind of, you might step on it. You might just kind of walk right past it. Uh, if you kind of had it just on the stage, it would do nothing for its whole life. And It would just kind of sit there. But what's amazing is that in this seed right here, there is so much potential. There's so much potential. Is it because this seed is crazy awesome? No, it's, it's because God designed this seed that when it comes into contact with him and his power and his design for it, this seed right here literally has the ability, once it's planted and grows up out of the ground, and produces other seeds, those are planted. Those grow up, literally, this one apple seed has the ability, if with enough care and time, to feed the entire planet just from this one little seed. Because why? Because God designed it that way. He said, man, when, you, when this seed goes into the ground and, and it takes on its design, when it takes on uh, its trust in me of like, of what, you know, and a seed necessarily can't trust, but it's just designed to do that, right? It's designed to go into the ground when God comes in contact with it. It literally has the ability not to produce a hundred times, but literally millions and billions of times if given, if given the proper care and attention. And I think what, that's what Jesus is saying right here. He's saying, now all of us, we are those seeds, that if we're trying to kind of be that seed that says, hey, I kind of want to do it myself. I want to be the one that like, I kind of want to go my own way. I want to be this cool, you know, I'm kind of a good looking seed. and, uh, And so I kind of want to go where I want to go. I don't really want to do it the way God designed me to do it. Then literally this is going to be a puny little seed that does nothing for its whole life, you know? And it's just going to sit there and no one's ever going to notice it. But God's like, man, with me, When you come into contact with me, when you trust me, when you decide, hey, I am going to die, I am going to fully surrender my life over to the master, over to the mountain guy, over to the creator. When I fully trust him and just say, God, I'm with you right here. I don't know how it's going to go, but I'm just going to snuggle up in your soil right here and just trust that you're going to do something amazing in my life. That's when God starts to do some things in your hearts and in the people around you and you start to grow. And then after a while you literally can produce like hundred thousand, a million times what was sown uh, with just you. It's pretty amazing that way. You know, growth only comes through death. For us, if we want to grow, the answer is simple. Then we got to die. We got to die to ourselves. We got to die to our own lives. And we got to just fully say, God, I trust you wholeheartedly. I'm willing to submit my will. It's not my will. It's yours be done. And God, I'm here. Please use me as you want. Use me as you will. You created me for greatness. I trust you. I'm going to wait. I'm going to watch you do something, something epic. But that's an intense concept. Dying is, not, is, is that very concept is kind of the exact opposite of what we want to do and kind of the exact opposite of how we're made. And so, and, and Jesus, I think, feels that because guess what he says right here? Right after kind of he has this interaction, you know, with, with, uh, with these men, he kind of bursts into a prayer. He says, now, my soul is deeply troubled. Can we feel that so often? When we're trying to think about this concept, it's like my soul is deeply troubled. Should I say, should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? But this is the very reason I came. Father, bring glory to your name. Then a voice spoke from heaven saying, I have already brought glory to your name and I will do so again. When the crowd heard the voice, some thought it was thunder while others declared an angel had spoken to him. You know, my cousin Tom loves this passage and so much of what I've even learned from this passage comes from my cousin Tom. And I love, you know, Jesus because it says, man, my soul is deeply troubled. Jesus was real and he went through some challenging things. We think we live in a challenging society. Jesus, you know, Jordan spoke a few weeks ago about someone, you know, a Roman officer could just come and basically kill you anytime they wanted. You know, Jesus lived in a very tumultuous time. And he says, now my soul is troubled. There are so many things right now that I feel like could trouble us. I know for me, about a month ago, I was feeling extremely just stressed. And I had a lot of anxiety in my life where it was hard for me to sleep. Uh, I was sleepwalking a lot, which you know are different stories for another day um, that you know Bree can tell you about, but uh, it means that kind of like there 's something going on inside of me where i 'm just kind of stressed i 'm kind of anxious, I was feeling tired, I was feeling just kind of like my heart was racing a lot, and I was just kind of feeling the pressure you know of kind of uh, you know a new transition in the midst of kind of all the challenges and so I said after a lot of our you know, practicing the way of Jesus and drawing near to God kind of series, um, I said, you know, I really need to click into a different emphasis. I was getting time with God, but a lot of it was just reading a lot, learning a lot. And I said, I need to click into a different emphasis with God where I'm now going to uh, really emphasize just being silent before God and just kind of getting time where I don't say anything. And I just kind of like breathe and I listen And I did that for a few weeks. And then uh, a few weeks in, I was encouraged to uh, just ask God, hey, God, can you draw out some of those anxieties inside of me? And so as I started, uh, I sat there with a notebook and I said, God, please just draw out some some of those troubling feelings inside of me. And it's, it's funny, because when you start to do that, and I had my little piece of paper out, uh, you can't think of too much. And then once I get one or two down in the paper, then 40 come, you know? And it's just kind of how it works. There's, there, and I'm like, wow, there's so many things kind of wrapped up in there that are just kind of anxious. They're troubling my heart. And I sat there, wrote them all down, I prayed through it. And then what I did is I imagined, you know, it's a little bit cheesy, but I kind of imagined Jesus kind of sitting in the chair next to me and I just kind of handed each one, each one over to Jesus just kind of handed it to him. And, uh, and I kind of just imagined Jesus sitting there and what kept coming to my mind was Jesus was like smiling and like, Nick, thank you so much. I'm so grateful to take on that burden for you. I'm so excited to take on that anxiety for you. And then I'm like, I kind of finished. And then I kind of imagine imagined him just kind of looking at me and saying, hey, uh, you know, you got any more? And I'm like, dang, you're right, yeah, I do. And then, you know, you kind of write it down. And, and he's like, "Dude, I got that one too. And then we kind of finish, it gives me a little fist bump. It says, Nick, we're in this together. We're doing it together. And I think for, for me, that's such a powerful thought for me. And it helped me so tremendously because Jesus isn't like, Nick, hey, I told you, man, I'll, I'll be with you. Kind of do what you're supposed to do. Be radical. You know, it's hard. I think Jesus is in the middle of the trenches with us. And he's saying, dude, follow me. Trust me. I want to take it on for you. And If you're trying to do this yourself, dude, it is going to be impossible. Hand it over to me. Everything is possible with me. You know, I, I know there's so many others in here that are dealing with so many crazy, so many crazy things. You think about living in a pandemic. Uh, people have lost loved ones. Uh, people are trying to go back to work. People have lost their jobs. Some, the kids are trying to figure out how to survive in school. People are parents are trying to figure out how to keep their kids engaged in school. Then you think about just all the tragedy of you know, different <clears throat> cases or this election coming up or uh, like just the different tragedies that we see kind of all throughout the country and around the world. There's so many things I think that trouble us. And I think there, there's so many things that we're dealing with. And I just want to say I'm so grateful for those of you guys that have persevered through that. Because what I love about God right here is that what Jesus says is, man, my soul is troubled. And then you kind of see him say, well, am I supposed to say now, save me from this hour? Is that the answer, to take myself out of it? And I love Jesus. He says, no. He says, for this is the hour that I've come. I'm ready to roll right here. This is why I was made. God is with me. I can do anything. Everything is possible with God. He says, God, if I'm going to suffer right now, then please glorify your name through me. And then God, you can just see God. I love it. It's like he is a proud father that is looking at his son that literally rips the heavens open and calls out like, I'm so proud of you, Jesus. I'm so proud of you because even in the midst of trouble, you're still doing what's right. And he says, I will glorify it. I already have glorified it. And I'm going to do it again. You see, like God just can't even contain himself with Jesus' reaction right here. saying, like, I'm so proud of you continuing to persevere even in the midst of trial even in the midst of hardship and struggle. And I think he's looking at all of us that have done the same thing. He's like, I am so proud of you. That's my boy. That's my girl. I think that's how Jesus kind of looks at us and wants to kind of, he wants to have that cheerleader kind of focus with us because he knows that life is difficult. He knows these times are hard and he's not looking at us with like this eye of saying, hey, you better do what's right. He's saying, man, I want to be in there together. I'm so proud of you guys that have persevered. You know, Jesus... We're talking about what's radical. You know what's really radical? You can go and preach to a thousand people. You know, you can go give up, sell all your possessions and give away, you know, to the poor. Uh, I think real radical living is daily perseverance. And just persevering and trusting God. Perseverance to me is one of the most radical things you can possibly have. And I, I'm so inspired by all you guys that have persevered. I think God uh, is, is, so, is so proud of all of you. Let's keep going with that. We're going to face some hardship. We're going to face some struggle. We're, We're living in one of the craziest times that anybody in here has ever lived through. And I think God is right with us. He's right next to us. He wants us to come to him and say... Let's do this together. You're that seed, that tiny seed. I made you for greatness. Trust me, plant yourself in me, submit yourself to me, die to yourself, trust the mountain guy, follow him and watch the craziness that happens in your life. You know, one of the things I love about Peter and we're gonna close right here is we see Peter struggling through that himself in that, in that Mark chapter 10 where he's just like, what the heck? And, uh, and, and like totally uh, not understanding. And we see Peter transform over time uh, where Peter, that little seed of Peter's life, that little seed of Peter's life was like God used him for extraordinary purposes where we are literally still talking about his impact on the world today of who, of, of what he did, what, what God did with his tiny life. And I wanna just close in this, in this uh, passage in 1 Peter, and we'll read this and pray because uh, this is at the end of Peter's life and you see him that he just got it. You know, legend has it that uh, Peter was crucified upside down. That's how he finished his life. Some say that he actually, um, before he died, he saw his wife get crucified. And his encouragement to her before she died was, remember the Lord. And then they both died. I wonder if we asked Peter today, hey, was it worth it? Was it worth all all you went through? I think Peter, if we were to see him right now, would say it's totally worth it. Here in 1 Peter, at the very end, it just says, and this will be kind of our prayer to close. Verse 3, just listen to these words. It's just profound. And then we'll take communion together. It says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we've been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance An inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by His power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So be truly glad. There is a wonderful joy ahead. Even though you have to endure many trials for a little while, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold, so when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You love him, even though you've never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious and expressible joy. The reward For trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. Amen.